Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. Hey Vince, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Just got back from a bike ride. Got to enjoy the beautiful scenery of Mount Nittany and the sunset. So I definitely am having a good evening. How about you? Good. Yeah, doing well. Got to take the dogs for a walk after some storms this afternoon. So a walk was looking a little dicey, but thankfully the sky's cleared. So we were able to get out, get some exercise, breathe some fresh air, all that good stuff. So just for the casual viewers at home, just because I know how insane your workouts are, tell everybody how long your bike ride was. Uh, easy 25 mile recovery ride today. Keyword being easy there, folks. Vince has a workout routine that is pretty extraordinary compared to the average uh, gym goer. So anytime that he mentions a workout, just think that it's on that level. <laughs> if you want to follow, you can follow me on Vince Vidali on Strava. <laughs> that and any uh, other um, big Ironman racing websites too. Yeah, maybe. I haven't done the Ironman in a while, but yeah, definitely lots of uh, <laughs> local triathlons and uh, road races for sure. Good stuff. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. This is our full 2022 season preview discussion. But uh, before we get into that, we want to discuss some Penn State news. So Vince, what do you got? So this this is big for State College, man. Did you see that uh, Family Clothesline is now selling Lululemon PSU apparel? I saw a little snippet about it, but tell me more. Yeah, yeah, the line was like so long. It went all the way through the block around uh, Highway Pizza where uh, Inferno used to be. So if you're a if you if you haven't been to the valley in a while, it's it was a long line. People were camped out uh, just like Nittanyville, and uh, it people are really excited to get their Lululemon apparel in State College. Now, answer me this: Were you one of the people waiting in line? Um, I was not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough. Did you pass the line yourself? Was it as crazy as uh, all the pictures made it out to seem? Uh, I did not. I was surprised my girlfriend didn't go. She was she was very excited, but um, was not one of those people camped out uh, at the line. (laughs) Awesome. Well, if that isn't Penn State slash State College news, I don't know what is. So, dude, Penn State, we have the most passionate fan base. So we we have people who will stand outside in the night for not only, you know, big games, but athletic apparel. And PSU fans also care about James Franklin's coffee order. Like, this is big news. And um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Coach Franklin's coffee order at Starbucks is a two-venti iced quad sugar-free vanilla latte with oat milk. Got the oat milk in wow. there like that. That, so that. That to me is crazy. I am a pretty avid coffee drinker. I love just a plain iced coffee with cream. I uh, kind of went away from sugar a couple of years ago. So James Franklin, I think, made a quip about how his coffee order is more akin to an ice cream sundae. So I think that actually holds pretty true. Are you a coffee drinker, Vince? Um, yeah, I, I'm 
I definitely need it uh, as a teacher in the morning. Get caffeinated to get me in a good mood to start off my day. Uh, so are you, are you, are you a, a uh, Starbucks? Are you a Starbucks or a Dunkin' guy? I was just about to ask you that exact same question. <laughs> Uh, nice. I would definitely consider myself, you know, being an East Coast a Dunkin' guy for sure. Um, I do usually make my own coffee. Uh, what? Since you went to Penn State for uh, four years, best coffee place in State College? Oh man, that is that's tough. Um, because truthfully, I didn't get really into drinking coffee until after college. But the couple of times that I did get it in State College, uh, getting it from Irving's was always a good choice. Um, other than that, I was always uh, really going to like Dunkin' or Starbucks to get the coffee. So I'm probably not the best judge of State College coffee. But where are your go-tos if you're looking for a little pick-me-up on the way to work? Yeah. So uh, Irving's is de- definitely has great breakfast sandwiches. So good call there. Um, I really like Sower's Harvest. It's like right by Insomnia Cookies. Um, okay. It's like it's like farther down so it's closer to garner street it's actually like right by sowers it's like lane or street or something oh uh, but yeah, yeah great, okay. great coffee you know they make uh great soft pretzels there and uh good sandwiches so good place to go if you're in the state college area and want a nice brunch so sowers, sowers harvest is uh definitely the way to go cool next time you go there you gotta ask them if they've ever served james franklin and if his coffee order at sours is as out there as it is at Starbucks. <laughs> Absolutely. What else you got? All right. Uh, I think we got some more uh, Penn State news here. Uh, big news from the Big Ten commissioner. Uh, so he expects the conference in the future to be 20 teams and players to be paid. What are your thoughts and who do you think would be the best teams to round out that 20? That's a tough question. I mean, I think there are a handful of teams that the Big Ten is likely gunning for to add to its growing mass of teams. I think Notre Dame is probably at the top of that list. They do have history with playing the ACC, having been a part of the ACC conference in that COVID year, but I think with them still technically being independent, that leaves the door open for the Big Ten to kind of come knocking with some big money offers and to kind of flash the prestige and ask them to be a part of it, considering that they're firmly entrenching themselves as uh, one of the mainstays in college football alongside the SEC as kind of this super conference. Other teams I could see them going after are out west. I could see them extending some feelers out to Oregon, Washington, maybe Stanford to kind of get more schools in that academic space, a la Northwestern and some other schools. So I think there's uh, there's a couple of quote-unquote likely candidates out there but those are the ones that are kind of top of mind for me what about you yeah i definitely uh agree with you there uh, notre dame is an obvious one uh i read a st- uh an article the other day i'm not sure how they did the study but uh notre dame had the second biggest fan base behind ohio state uh geographically they're a good fit and they're all already a member of the big 10 in uh hockey so um, right. They already do have some Big Ten ties. Uh, Washington would be a great addition. Uh, they're a part of that Seattle market. That's a big sports town. You have the University of Oregon. They obviously have Nike headquarters there. 
and there's a lot of Oregon fans just because of like there's a lot of Nike ties in the Big Ten. Yeah, a lot of Nike ties. They got lots of cool jerseys. So like that's a a lot of people grow up and they see those jerseys and they're Oregon fans. Um, So that definitely good ones there. I could see Miami maybe in the ACC or North Carolina Mm. to bring them in for basketball. A lot of different ones, but uh, 20 teams. That's that's big. How do you think uh, that would line up? How do you like that? You know, I don't really know right now because I think what will make me feel differently about a 20-team conference is potential playoff expansion. Because if the playoffs are going to be expanded to maybe 8, 16 teams a couple of years down the road, I like this because we have arguably, you know, the first or second best collective group of teams in the country and say what you will about the sec right now it's a two-team race between alabama and georgia but if you have the the big 10 now you have usc ohio state penn state you might have miami like you just said we might have oregon out west too you have michigan who's now back to national prominence and going to the college football playoff you have a lot of teams that are going to be butting heads for that right now sole playoff spot for the Big Ten. So if the playoff is going to be expanded, I really don't mind the idea of a of a 20-team Big Ten conference. And I think that would also mean big things for how many in-conference games we play every year, which I also don't hate. Give me more big games. Give me more heated rivalries. Give me more reasons to get really pumped up for each Penn State game. Yeah, uh, the SEC definitely does like to have that little cupcake in the middle of their SEC schedule since they only <laughs> play eight conference games, and I'm sure that helps, you know, because the SEC grind is definitely really difficult. Um, what I think they would do, they would probably do something like the the Big 12 does with their 10 teams. So I, I would guess that they would have, like, two divisions in the Big 10, and then they would have everybody would play everybody on like the east side and the west side and then the two best would go head to head in the championship game so i i could see general hey so it's, it's almost like there's two different conferences still and they each have 10 teams but like there's that's what they use for the championship game yeah and i, I kind of like everybody playing everybody you know because then there's no big, there's no bickering of like oh like you you play like wisconsin and this team played like uh, Illinois or something, so that way you're not debating yeah. about which team got an easier half of the non-conference schedule on their side, right? Or the conference schedule, but in the other division. Yeah, no doubt. So, what do you think about the concept or the outright saying of players being paid? Uh, they should absolutely be paid. Um, being a student athlete myself, I always felt very restricted. So like I could run a 5k in the summer just on my own time. And I, I would not be allowed to accept money or else I could lose my scholarship. So I definitely felt like I was very controlled. Now cross country and track at the division two level, you're not going to be making the university that money. But the fact that I couldn't go off on my own and like make money on my own time using my talent. And then let's be honest, you're athletes age in dog years. So you don't know how long you're going to be good. And like, it doesn't hurt anybody does nothing wrong. It's just, it prevents you from 
making money, um, which I think the NIL deal is great for athletes. And yep. I think it's great that these guys with how hard they work, you know, they're, they're playing, they, they should get a piece of the pie for sure. Um, since they're generating, you know, millions and millions of dollars of revenue. And, you know, yeah. Coach Franklin's getting paid the $6 million or I, I, I don't know what his new contract is. Uh, it's big contract. But um, why, why, sh- why should he get all that money and the players don't get anything um, when they're the ones on the field? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you kind of a hardball question in response to that. How do you think that's going to impact the current structure of being given a scholarship to play football. Do you think that that will change at all? Like, do you think they'll take scholarships away in lieu of giving money for them to use at their discretion, whether it's for their education, for their family, for themselves, this, that, or what have you? What do you think happens to the current structure with the addition of that payment? So I think the universities will still have scholarships for the athletes. Um, however, I do think you could end up seeing like a money ball situation where it's um, alumni from the universities are saying, hey, if you play at Penn State, you get X amount of money. Or, oh, if you commit to Ohio State, you get X amount of money. And then it's almost going to be like a free agency type situation for these high schoolers moving up to you know, the college level. So I could see that happening. And I do think I read uh, an article that said SMU was planning for everyone on their team to get like $35,000, I believe the article said. So that's definitely uh, something I think is great for athletes, um, especially since they do so much for these universities and all the other athletic programs. If you're an athlete, you should be able to make money when you are in your prime. Like that is not a career you can do forever. You should be able to make your money while you can. So to sum it up, you still think that scholarships will exist in their current form. The extra money will just kind of be in supplement to that and that things will just kind of progress from there. Yeah, I'm not an expert, but uh, that's how I could see it going. Okay. Cool. Well, some great topics of conversation there. Obviously, there's a lot of news happening around Penn State. Some being about coffee, some being about major shifts in college athletics infrastructure, but all very interesting. Is there anything else that you want to chat through before we get into our season preview? Uh, Yeah, Penn State is uh, currently unranked. What are your thoughts Uh, on that, Andrew? Well, I think it's fair. You know, I think the past couple of years, uh, Penn State obviously started the start of the year ranked had uh well in 2020 they obviously had a pretty tumultuous downslide pretty quickly at the start of the season with i think it was five straight losses so that i just kind of considered to be an outlier year but last year we saw them perform well in the beginning of the year things kind of started to fall apart after the loss to it's Iowa kind of like the opposite they, of 2020 yeah in a way um we saw them uh end the year unranked, deservedly so, after a couple of losses to division rivals. So I'm not really all that surprised that Penn State is unranked to start this season. Um, They don't really have the confirmation bias that they had in 2017, 2018, and 2019, and even into 2020. They have to earn that again. 
and I'm optimistic that they will, but I'm not really worried too much about them being unranked. Um, and I think you have the same reason why, you know, the last time that they were unranked, they won the Big Ten conference. But also, I'm just kind of a firm believer that if you take care of business, the rankings are going to take care of themselves. Everything in the Big Ten conference right now runs through Michigan and Ohio State. You either beat them or you don't. So you're going to end up high ranked or you're not. That is as simple as I think about it. Yeah, you're right. You uh, absolutely control your own destiny. Uh, you win, you go undefeated. You get you get the opportunity to play for national championship. Um, so the bottom line is they have to take care of business. I do think this is a good thing for Penn State. I think that's going to put some fire in their belly and get them ready for this upcoming football season. Awesome. So I think that's a pretty good segue then to get into this season preview. So we've already talked uh, a bit about, you know, Penn State news and things that are happening within the program and the Big Ten overall, but we got a lot of cool things to chat through, some players to watch, some things we're excited about. But let's start with kind of a breakdown of the different games of the season and give a couple of quick cliff notes and thoughts about what we think is going to happen. Sounds good. So we have week one on a Thursday Thursday night at Purdue. Penn State should not be playing football on Thursday night. This is absolutely ridiculous. Like, your biggest fan, like, fan bases should not be playing on Thursday. This is for, like, your, like, Mountain West teams who want to get some big television time. Like, this is this is just asinine for Penn State to be playing on a Thursday. <laughs> not, only, wow, Vince. not only for that, but... It ruins my Labor Day weekend plan. So I was like really excited to to watch the season opener just like last year at the the Charles the Charles Pool Club at the Bird Residence. So I was gonna, I was really looking forward to that. And then my family has their Labor Day picnic on Sunday, the day after. So I was looking for like that perfect weekend. And then it got messed up on a Thursday night. People have to go to work on Friday. Even if it was like Friday, I would have been okay. But it's just like. Come on, man. Yeah, because I, I believe this was uh, one of the games that got flexed this season, right? Yeah, absolutely p- ridiculous. Penn State should not be playing on a Thursday night. Friday night, okay. Like, no one has to work the next morning. But it just annoys me that, you know, having worked the next day that, you know, we all have to stay up late on Thursday. Yeah, and, right, right. You know, and the, the students probably have class and... Like it's it's just not fun for anyone. Like Big Power Five, they should be playing on Saturdays. That is just my take and how Penn hey, State should be. Fair enough. So clearly, this has struck a nerve with Vince. So maybe it struck a nerve with all of you out there as well. But yeah, this is quite unusual playing on a Thursday night. I think the opponent obviously adds a lot of intrigue to it. Purdue has kind of this mysterious energy around them as of late as kind of a giant killer of sorts. Now, Penn State is not the proverbial giant of the Big Ten Conference right now, but I would still say that they're going into the game as the favorite. So Purdue's definitely going to have kind of a chip on their shoulder. I believe it's their blackout game. So they're planning to deck all the fans out in black attire. So kind of create an anti-whiteout atmosphere for Penn State. So I think on TV, it's going to look really cool. Uh, Tough opponent, early game in the season. Who knows what's going to happen? Okay, so we just talked about this a little bit earlier. You are a lot more confident in Penn State than I am. I am. <laughs> I am. I am very nervous going into this game, and 
here, here, here's what I'm going to tell you why. Uh, okay. Number one, Coach Franklin has been much better at home historically than on the road. So that's, that's my first reason. Reason number two. Early in the season, uh, Penn State does not look usually look sharp. Uh, so I, they got the job done at Wisconsin last year, which is great. Um, that could have went very differently if special teams didn't make a huge play and block that field goal attempt. And then three, uh, Purdue had had a really nice season last year, and a few years ago they upset Ohio State at home in a blackout yep. game. Yep. And they also uh, beat number two Iowa at Iowa last year too. So can't forget that. Okay, so I want to I want to hear your reason for optimism. Why are you not as nervous at for this being a week one game than I am? Yep. Happy to share. So my first reason is because Purdue is a passing offense. They've had most of their success through the air. They've had tremendous wide receivers in David Bell and Rondale Moore, and their quarterback has been good enough to get the ball to them consistently. So they've been able to attack teams through the air. Penn State's secondary is going to be as good as it's been in a long time. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of experience in the cornerbacks and the safety position that I think they'll be able to really lock down uh, the passing attack. And if Purdue was more of a rushing team, kind of like a Michigan, I would be more worried on the defensive side because the linebacker experience is pretty thin. We're still not sure what the interior of the defensive line is going to look like. However, just given the fact that Purdue is more prone to being a passing team and Jeff Brom is kind of more of that attack them through the air, find the, find the open scene type of coach. That is one reason why I'm optimistic. The other kind of relates to your concern about early season struggles with Penn State. Now, I think they're all totally valid. I think there's also an element of inconsistency with the coaching staff that kind of plays a part in that because you have new coaches coming in, uh, especially at the offensive coordinator position. So players are learning new systems. They're kind of getting the kinks out of what they're supposed to be doing on a week-to-week basis. This is the second year of Mike Yersich's career at Penn State. So there's going to be some consistency. There's going to be some feelings of knowing what to expect from a play-calling perspective, from a where-I'm-supposed-to-be perspective. So I actually like Penn State's chances at kind of shaking that mold of not being able to perform early on in the season. I think that they, even though it was an ugly game, they performed pretty well at Wisconsin in a really tough first game of the season last year. And so I think that there's there are reasons to be optimistic that they can do the same here with better success. So those are the two biggest reasons. Um, just kind of the consistency behind the coaching staff, the fact that the secondary is one of the strengths of the, the defense this year, and the defensive line is going to be a lot healthier this year. Adisa Isaac is finally going to see the football field as the starting defensive end. Uh, we got Koziah Izzard backing up P.J. Mustafer after getting a little bit of experience at the defensive tackle position after Mustafer went down against Iowa. So there's a, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of depth. There's a good amount of experience. So I like Penn State chances to kind of shut down that passing attack. All right, so we got two different opinions. I, I think it's going to be one of those dogfight. Uh, if I had to bet, I would bet on Penn State to win by one one possession, so anywhere between three and seven points. Uh, you think it's going to be a blowout? 
Oh, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. No, uh, Purdue's going to score some points, but Penn State's going to score more. I think we're looking at um, a seven to ten point win. Okay, for Penn State. All right. Uh, moving on to week two, we have uh, we're at home versus Ohio. Uh, I I think this should be Penn State's probably easiest game on the schedule. Uh, if we lose to Ohio, like. If if that happens, like we might as well just not do the podcast. We are going to be we would be so unmotivated to cover the team <laughs> yeah. for the rest of the season. Well, I mean, <laughs> we lost yeah, to Ohio I, at home. <laughs> that is that is very true. However, we'd have some very interesting takes to throw out for the rest of the season if that happened. But I see your point. Yeah, I mean, I agree. This is going to be probably a very easy game for Penn State at home. Kind of follows that uh, prototypical mold of out of conference. Uh, you know, pay to come play us opponent. So we should expect Penn State to win, and I think they will. All right, moving on to week three uh, at Auburn. This is going to be a big game, big revenge game. Uh, I don't, yep. I'm, I'm expecting a dogfight for sure, but I think mm-hmm. Auburn kind of feels like they w- let one slip away last year. Uh, the mm-hmm. whiteout definitely helped us, so we don't have that. Auburn seems to be great in September, terrible in the middle of the season, and then great for the Iron Bowl against Alabama. Um, Yeah, so we're getting them when they seem to be good. So I'm really nervous about this. Um, The run game, Tank Bigsby just annihilated us last year. Yeah, so I would definitely give. And I would get, I would give the edge to Auburn uh, because of that to win this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. Team-wise, they match up pretty well uh, with their offense against our defense. I think there is going to be kind of an element early on in the season of things that have been going on with Brian Harson. Not They weren't sure if he was going to be back to coach the Tigers again this season. So I think that might have an impact uh, early on in the season if they're still trying to like find their feet uh, with some of the players leaving, including their starting quarterback at the start of last season, Bo Nix. So I think it really could go either way. I think going to Auburn early on in the season is that's a tough out for any team, uh, regardless of where you are. So um, I definitely think it's going to be a dogfight. I think, honestly, you could probably flip a coin and say who's going to win this game. Yeah, uh, for sure. If, if uh, we go down there and... We take care of business versus Auburn. I think you're looking at Penn State as being a serious contender to win the uh, Big Ten Championship this year. Moving on then, Central Michigan. Any uh, prevailing thoughts about this game? Yeah, I think they've been you know pretty good uh, in the past few years. Obviously not to the level of a uh, Power Five or Penn State. So I think Penn State being at home, I, I think they'll take care of business and win this game. Yep. Agreed. I don't have any other thoughts. Yeah. All right. Moving on to week five, Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Uh, Northwestern, I feel like, is the wild card in this schedule. Uh, Northwestern seems to either be last in the Big Ten West or like once every four years, they'll win it. Uh, so I, I th- I'll pick Penn State because they're at home for sure. But uh, what, what are your thoughts? No, I, honestly, I'm not too worried about this game. Um, they have, you know, a very average amount of returning production uh, from their team, and their in-conference record last year was pretty pretty poor. So, I'm not overly worried about this game. Um, I think Northwestern hasn't historically had a lot of success coming to Penn State, so I like Penn State in this game. All right, so heading into the bye week, 
Uh, both of us have Penn State at four and one in our season predictions. Uh, coming off the bye, uh, we have a road trip to the Big House, uh, Michigan. What are your thoughts on that game? Honestly, you could flip a coin for me and say that either this or Ohio State is going to be the toughest game in the schedule. Because if we were at Ohio State, I would say it's Ohio State. But the fact that Ohio State is at home kind of gives a little bit more of an edge to Penn State, in my opinion. So the fact that we're going to Michigan to play the Wolverines uh, scares me a lot. Yeah, I'll, I, I I will agree with you there. Usually uh, when I look have looked at Penn State's schedule over the past five years or so, Whenever we're home against Michigan, I think our home crowd, you know, gives us that energy. They bring us over the top versus Michigan. We have not had much success on the road versus Michigan. So I'm definitely chalking right. this up as a loss. They're a tough physical team and uh, yeah. I thought I'd be proven wrong in this, but I'm going to have this one as a loss for Penn state. Yeah, I would agree. And a big reason is because, um, because of their potent rushing attack. I think the, rush defense is going to kind of struggle a little bit in the early going for Penn State. Really going to be interesting to see how it comes to fruition throughout the season. But the fact that we are going to be replacing two starting linebackers doesn't really give me too much optimism in our ability to uh, stop Michigan as a running team. So I kind of think that they'll take advantage of that. And so I think we'll keep it close for a little while, but I do think that Michigan wins. All right, moving on. Whiteout, home. Unusual opponent, Minnesota, not Ohio State <laughs> yeah. or Michigan for the Whiteout. This will be a night game, 7 p.m. kickoff. Maybe a little revenge for what happened uh, back in uh, Gopher Stadium. Vince, we're winning that game. You have to. There's this. We battle. are not losing a night Whiteout game against Minnesota. Not with, the, not with what happened at twenty in 2019. We are not losing this game. Yeah, that's a, that would definitely be unacceptable for Penn State. Uh, I think Coach Frank, <laughs> Franklin is showing some clips from uh, that game, and I think he has the boys ready. It's a whiteout. Everyone gets pumped for the whiteout. So I'm going to chalk up that, that as a win for Penn State. Same here. All right, so moving on, kind of ending a – a tough three-game stretch here. So we had Michigan, yeah, Minnesota, seriously. and Penn State's biggest game every year. I think this will be their hardest game at home versus Ohio State. They're just great at just about every position, have an elite group of skills players, and yep. this will be a tough task. My biggest fear is that we're stuck with that dumb Fox Big Noon kickoff. That's my biggest fear. <laughs> I would love for that to be a night game and – you know, be a kind of a second whiteout. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's the same story as every year. Ohio State is coming back uh, fully reloaded at almost every position. C.J. Stroud being a Heisman favorite coming into this season. Jackson Smith and Jigba picking right up where Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson left off with plenty of other receivers in the wing. I think this is going to be an extremely talented team at pretty much every position. It's going to be tough for Penn State to kind of find those matchups that they like, but it's Ohio State at Penn State. You never really know what's going to happen. Ohio State has had the better of Penn State, obviously, ever since that 2016 upset. So we'll see what happens. But if I had to bet, I'd probably take Ohio State. Yeah, I'm going to go Ohio State there, but we do always seem to bring 
some of Penn State's football, whether they win or lose, is when we play Ohio State. So that should be a great game to watch. Uh, hopefully they, they can come up on top. But uh, Yep, it'll be fun bet, to watch. Betting today, I'm going to chalk that up as a loss. Uh, moving on, ho- hopefully getting a little easier schedule. Um, at Indiana, revenge game again? Yeah, you know, I, I think that the revenge aspect of this um, kind of lost its luster a little bit after we blew them out last year. I think Tom Allen is going to have kind of a rebound year with that team. Uh, he's proven himself to be a very good coach, and I think they're going to get a lot out of their players, but I still do like Penn State winning this game by a comfortable margin. After they're on the road to Indiana, we're going to move on at home versus Maryland. It's kind of gone back and forth uh, over the past few years for this one. What are your thoughts heading into the Maryland game after what we presume to be a road win at Indiana? Yeah, I, I do like Penn State again in this game uh, for very similar reasons to for why I like Penn State against Purdue. Uh, Maryland has really shown itself to really have matured as a passing offense in the past couple of years behind Talia Tagovailoa. Um, they have a couple of receivers coming back, including their star receiver who suffered a pretty nasty injury last year. So hopefully he'll be able to bounce back uh, and be healthy this year. But I do like Penn State's secondary's chances to kind of slow them down enough, much better than they did in the 2020 season where they just let Maryland run the same plays over and over and seemingly score at will. So I like Penn State at home versus Maryland. Yeah, I think Penn State's going to take care of business here. Um, I think Maryland's going to come in fired up after we put that big uh, poster, Road to Happy Valley poster down in Maryland. So I think they're definitely going to be gunning for us. But I think uh, Penn State takes care of business at home. So I'll mark that up as a win. Cool. All right. Moving on to Piscataway, New Jersey at Rutgers. That team from New Jersey. Rutgers seems to sometimes raise their game kind of like we do for Ohio State. Um, last year, they had no fight. We uh, shut them out 28 to nothing. Uh, I think this could be potentially a, a tough game, but I'm going to take Penn State to win here on the road in Piscataway. I like our chances of going 28 to nothing again more than it being a close game. <laughs> I do not think that Greg Schiano is going to have Rutgers at the level to compete with Penn State and this coaching staff and this pool of players yet. They're making the right steps to get to that point. They're recruiting at a higher level than they have been in uh, many years with grabbing some key in-state players, some of which uh, were considering going to Penn State. So they're taking some steps in the right direction, but this is not going to be their year. (laughs) Yeah, this is a funny story. I don't know if I told you this, but last summer I was at a beach in like North Jersey and there was this like boat in the ocean and it was like, a recruiting thing. And it was like, come play at Rutgers. Like I was like, they need to use the ocean to get people to play at Rutgers. Like people like athletes right. don't want to go there. Yep. <laughs> so that's definitely. <laughs> found that, that pretty, pretty much tells you all you need to know. Yeah. That's all you need to know about Rutgers. All right. Moving on to senior night at home versus Michigan state after a tough loss last year. How do you see this, this game playing out? Win for Penn state. Yeah, I could see this one going either way. I do think if Penn State has a very good season, it's like let's say they only have two or two losses, maybe three. I think I'm going to take them to win a close one, especially if Franklin makes adjustments and does a little more in the passing game. 
Uh, if Penn State has a letdown loss, maybe like early in the season against Purdue or they lose to Minnesota, like I could see this kind of being a kind of a slump game here and they let it go. But um, if they're if they're having a good season, I, I, I'm going to take the win and I, I'll take the win here. I don't really have any concrete reasons why I think they're going to win uh, as an extension of the rest of the season. I just don't think that Michigan state is going to have the light, the big 10 on fire season like they had last year. I think they're going to take kind of a a step back um, mostly because I think Penn state is going to take a step forward into that second or third spot in the big 10 East. So I like Penn state taking the win against Michigan state at home on senior day for no other reason than I just don't think that they're going to lose to Michigan state twice. Yeah, Michigan State uh, definitely exceeded expectations last year. Uh, however, uh, I, I'm, I am definitely, I think I'm a little more nervous than you. Like, usually we play Michigan State after Ohio State, and usually they're on an emotional low going into Michigan State. So if the season doesn't play out how they want it, I could see them being a little emotionally low. But I'm hoping that since it's senior night, their last game in Beaver Stadium, I hope that gets them juiced up and they're able to take care of business. So rounding out our yeah. regular season, we we both have them at nine and three. So that's where we think the team is going to go. Uh, Andrew, who are some individuals that you're excited to see? Man, there's there's a lot. I think uh, the ones that I'm most excited to see are some that weren't able to see as much of the the field last year. Starting with Adisa Isaac. You know, he is someone who came onto the team as a highly touted recruit at the defensive end position. Uh, we're going to need, you know, some some nice production at that position after the departure of Arnold Ebiketti. So really looking forward to seeing him strut his stuff. A couple of other uh, defensive players and Curtis Jacobs and Jair Brown. Um, Curtis Jacobs just kind of taking the mantle as leading that linebacker group after uh, Ellis Brooks and Brandon Smith left for the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of matures into that leadership role, really see how he takes control of the middle of the field and uh, see how he just kind of leads that part of the defense. And Jair Brown had an excellent year last year. He could have gone to the NFL, decided to stay another year. So I'm excited to see how he takes uh, this next season um, kind of stepping out of the shadow a little bit of Jaquan Brisker and uh, just kind of making 2022 his own. And then finally, a couple of offensive players, uh, Keandre Lambert Smith. I'm really excited to see this year because of the consistency now at the offensive coordinator position with Mike Yurcich. We know that Mike likes to attack through the air a lot. Keandre has a lot of pedigree to him uh, as a you know highly recruited player out of Virginia. I think that they're going to try to find a lot of opportunities to get him the ball. And uh, so I'm excited to see what he can do. And then finally, Nick Singleton. I just cannot stop raving about this guy. He just comes in. Uh, Gatorade Player of the Year out of high school. He is probably the best running back recruit Penn State has had in a long time. All right, those are some great takes. Uh, some things I took away, Jair Brown, very happy to have him back. He uh, played great last year. Um, questions yep. at the linebacker. Uh, Penn State, we identify as linebacker you. So I, I really want to see yep. you know the next man, the next men up, you know, really fill those positions and play at a high level. And yeah. Nick Singleton. And I think, 
at the linebacker position, what I do want to throw in, um, I think there's a nice possibility of kind of a dark horse candidate to become an early contributor for Penn State defensively is Kobe King, uh, the brother of Kalen King, who has already proven himself to be very capable at the cornerback position. Um, they love to play with each other on the field, so I think being on the field will kind of give them a little bit of extra juice. He is very talented coming out of the Detroit, Michigan area, so I like him to kind of step up and be uh, kind of a young linebacker to kind of strut his stuff at Penn State, kind of line up with Curtis Jacobs and start to take control and start taking the next title of that LBU player. All right, fantastic. Uh, Who are some other dark horses you see uh, potentially making a splash this year? Yeah, so I think um, another uh, young player that I could see um, really providing early is Caden Saunders. Uh, Caden Saunders kind of fitting that uh, KJ Hamler sort of role as kind of the small, speedy, shifty receiver. Had a lot of hype around him coming out of high school. Um, Had a lot of offers. So I think the wide receiver group is pretty stacked, uh, you know, if we're looking at, you know, receivers one through three. But I think that Caden Saunders can kind of come in and really uh, show some big flashes that'll see him get some uh, time in the slot and maybe see him, you know, make some big plays that'll uh, get Penn State fans excited for the future. And another, uh, you know, I think this guy has kind of been, unfortunately, kind of an afterthought in recent years is Devin Ford. You know, he came in in the same class as Noah Kane. Um, both of them were highly touted guys. Uh, Devin kind of saw su- some success early, uh, kind of fell down in the depth chart a little bit. But he's been in the program now for a couple of years. There's no shortage of talk about his ability. And, you know, maybe we could see him kind of take some of those uh, first team snaps away from Kevon Lee if he starts to get a bit of a hot hand. He kind of seems to be more of that shifty Saquon type uh, running back, whereas Kevon Lee has been more of a, of a bruiser up the middle. So we'll see if they kind of supplement both of their playing styles together. Uh, you know, of course that is going to be widely dependent on uh, the emergence of Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. So we'll, we'll have to see, yeah. but I do think that if there was a guy who has been in the program for a while that I like to kind of come back into the spotlight and shine for Penn state, I like Devin. Definitely. I think he can be a good change of pace back. And I'm sure everyone's seen that uh Katron Allen stiff arm where he just shoves the DB in the air and he's just, airborne um that's something that i yep. expect from somebody my size not a 200 pound uh <laughs> defensive back for sure so yep. very impressive excited to see what those uh young running backs can do but also the uh more veteran more established ones yeah and i think uh you know something that's kind of cool to see in recent reports about these young running backs is that it seems like they've kind of given a little bit of an edge to some of the older guys especially in the running back group because they've come in they've kind of shown what they're capable of jay wansider has raved about their toughness and their ability and obviously nick singleton has the breakaway speed that any top tier running back you'd want to have. So I think it's going to have kind of a trickle down or a trickle up effect, if you will, on the rest of the running back. So hopefully we'll start to see a bit more hard nose running um, combined with some improved offensive line play, knock on wood, but uh, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. So I've talked a lot uh, about players that I'm excited about some dark horse candidates. So Vince, why don't you uh, take the mic here for a little bit and talk about players that you are most excited to see? 
All right, so I made a I made a list of five here. One's a position group, but uh, one guy I'm excited to see is uh, Sean Clifford. Uh, he's been here about as long as I have in state college. I've been here <laughs> about seven years, and he's going into his uh, sixth year here, final year. Um, I'm yep. excited to see how he comes into the season now that he'll be healthy. Um, you know, he did he did well last year in the beginning of the season, and after he was injured versus Iowa, things went downhill from there. I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see what a healthy Sean Clifford can do. Uh second year in Mike Yurcich's system. So I think he's mm-hmm. gonna have a great year, bearing that he stays healthy. So that is one guy I'm really excited to see. Second guy on my list is PJ Mustafer. Another injured player that's coming back. Like like we said, Iowa is where it went downhill. He was another guy that got injured on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Wasn't quite the same. So he's another guy I'm excited to see. Third guy I have on my list, Parker Washington. You know, I think very highly of him. I'm a big Parker Washington fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's definitely... I thought so. I made a I made a take. You can vouch for me on this. I made a bet before <laughs> yes. the draft that I think Parker Washington will be drafted higher than Jahan Dotson. And Andrew looked at me like I was crazy. Seeing Jahan Dotson get drafted at sixteen, I'm not feeling near as confident in that prediction. But um, again, it was said. We all we all make bad. It's takes. out there. It's out there. Well, you don't you don't know that it's bad yet. That's the thing. Like you don't know that it's bad. It, it you you could be absolutely correct, and you could just kind of have the Nostradamus outlook of Penn State wide receivers being drafted. I mean, honestly, how sick would it be if Parker Washington has an absolutely explosive year, and all of a sudden he's getting drafted like number twelve? I, I I'd probably be the first one to predict it and say it officially. It's out there. It's on the podcast. Everyone knows. Yeah. So I will. I will back Vince up on that. He did say that to me last year before the NFL draft happened during the season when Parker Washington was having very great success alongside Jahan Dotson. He said that to me. So I will definitely vouch him. Now, I thought Jahan was going to go late first, early second, but uh, he definitely impressed the uh, Washington commanders enough to take him at number 16. So exciting to see how he does there in the NFC East. But uh, with our with our former guy, Carson Wentz. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, I was wearing a Carson Wentz jersey that in that 2016, 2017 season. Yeah, I have a I have a picture of that, too. So maybe you'll see Great that. picture. Uh, so, yeah. So something that we actually have in the works right now is a website. So NittanyBlues.com is going to be coming your way soon, which is another place that you'll be able to listen to the podcast, individual episodes learn a little bit more about Vince and myself and uh, find out some ways you can get in touch and get connected with the podcast. Uh, After all, this is by Penn State fans for Penn State fans. So we'd love to get everybody involved, including show ideas, commentary about different games. You can reach us at nittanybluespod at gmail.com, but also you'll be able to find us at nittanyblues.com coming soon. Happy to hear that. Maybe we can get some merchandise up in the site if we uh, get things rolling. Uh, but yeah, we're looking to create a community here on the Nittany Blues podcast. All right. Another receiver I got on my list who I think might seal Parker Washington's thunder is Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, during the blue white yep. game, he was the one guy who shined the most to me out of anyone there. He, you know, definitely looked like a man among boys out there. 
Definitely looked like he had some track speed. Was very explosive. I love my track guys. So he's a guy I expect to have a great season. He looks like he's all about business. I'm, I'm really excited to see him play. Yeah, same here. I mean, it's incredible the amount of success that he had at Western Kentucky, uh, breaking FBS records in that bowl game. Uh, you know, he just has all the skills that you'd want. So coming in, I love the fact that he has a bit of experience. Uh, I think that meshes well with uh, the level of experience that Clifford has. So I think they'll build some synergy pretty quickly, even though, you know, it's his first year in the program. So I'm looking for big things from him as well. Great. And then my, my last one on the list, uh, it's kind of a cop out because I kind of picked the whole position group, but uh, I have the offensive line. Will this finally be the year? Um, I The thing I've been wanting most uh, for Penn State football is to look at them and be like, wow, they just won that game because the offensive line just moved people. Like, I haven't felt that way too much about Penn State, and that's something that I want to see. Uh, that's something watching the Philadelphia Eagles and their success uh, over the past couple of years, they've been a relatively good franchise the past couple of decades because they build along the offensive line. And you can argue that that's, that's the most uh, important position group in football. So I'm looking for Penn state to that O line to make holes for the running backs and give Clifford some time and pass protection. Uh, when you watch Sean Clifford, he is a much better passer when he's able to set his feet, which is a lot yep. more difficult to do when you're under pressure. So I'm looking for the O-line. I think the team is going to go as far as the O-line can take them. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, that is, it can't be understated just how much of an impact they have on the outcomes of the game. So uh, let me ask you this. Do you think this is the year where they finally take that step forward? We'll see. I'm going to believe it when I see it. Yeah, uh, definitely don't blame me there. I'm optimistic about them because I, I think that, the fact that there's some, again, going back to the theme of consistency, since there's some consistency around the offensive coaching staff between Franklin and Yursich and Troutwine at the offensive line position, I think that this might be the year where everything just finally clicks. There's a lot of talent coming into the offensive line group, some youth, which is something to potentially be concerned about. But I think that Troutwine absolutely has the background and the knowledge and the skills to coach those guys up to be very effective in Big Ten play. So I'm optimistic about them stepping up their game this year. Yeah. One thing I am optimistic about is it seems that James Franklin every single year says, oh, the offensive line is going to be the strength of this team. He seems to say that every year. And this year he just kind of said, hey, we got to go out and improve it. So I do like that he's not, you know, giving them like the compliments there. I, I, I think it's better to not for them to not have that expectation and they can maybe play a little more loose and free and uh, hopefully play some old school physical Penn State football. Amen to that. So, yeah, that kind of takes us to the tail end of this discussion about, you know, players that we're excited about on top of the uh, season predictions. So. Um, I know there's a couple of other players that I want to shout out here from the Penn State program, but is there anybody else top of mind that you want to kind of give a shout out to, talk a little bit about? One more guy I'm really looking forward to seeing is uh, Joey Porter Jr. I think he did a really mm. nice job at corner. Uh, definitely got a little handsy at times, so if he can clean up some of those penalties, uh, I think he, he he can be looking to be a first-round pick potentially in this upcoming draft. So I'm really excited to see how he plays this year. 
Awesome. Yeah, I uh, 100% agree. And I think it would be awesome for him to kind of continue this recent trend of Penn State cornerbacks getting drafted. You know, obviously, if he has the success that we think that he can have. Um, another player that, you know, on the defensive side that I, I'm excited to see a bit younger than Joey is uh, Donnie Dennis Sutton. So this guy coming in as a freshman, highly touted recruit at the uh, defensive end position, uh, lost most of his senior season to an arm injury. So uh, the buzz was there early on, kind of waned after the injury because he wasn't able to play in a senior season. But this guy is a real deal. You know, he's coming in and uh, he has a lot of expectations for himself. He recently submitted a tweet hinting at his goal to break the Penn State sack record, which for all of you listening out there, is 33. So Donnie Dennis Sutton is aiming to break the sack record of 33 over the course of his career at Penn State. So he has a lot of expectations of himself. There's no limit to what he's going to be able to accomplish. I think he's going to be a household name at the defensive end position. So I'm excited to see if he gets some meaningful snaps here in his freshman year. But I think in the 2023 season and beyond, I think he's going to be kind of a staple at that position. Those are some uh, big goals. Uh, definitely love the lofty goals. Uh, who's got the 33 yep. sacks? So the player who holds the record for most number of sacks is Courtney Brown, who during his career at Penn State accumulated 33 sacks, and he was selected number one overall in the NFL draft in 1999. Uh, that was the same year that LeVar Arrington came out for the draft as well. So imagine that guy and LeVar Arrington both on the <laughs> same team. That that defense was incredible. So we've all seen the videos wow. of the LeVar Leap um, and that defense. That's the era that we're talking about. So Courtney Brown, an absolute monster at the position. He has set the bar. And Danny Dennis Sutton has decided that he wants to go higher. All right, let's go, Danny. Do it. Anything else that you'd like to leave the folks before we kind of sign off here? Uh, no, not really. Just that uh, next week we're going to be diving deeper into Purdue on that Thursday night kickoff. Don't miss it. Thursday, 8 p.m. Because the schedule. Yeah, in, case you, in case you missed that detail, it's Thursday and Vince hates it. Terrible. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Thursday, we're going to go, go dive into that. If you'd like to support the show, please leave a five star review on your listening platform. Uh, if you let, love us. Tell us that. Give us some feedback. Very well said. So thank you all so much for listening to this one. We will see you in the next episode. And we are Penn State.